Welcome to the What If Podcast, where we rewrite sports past, present, and future. We're your hosts, Eddie, Jeet, Cameron, and Michael. Four lifelong friends, each with a unique perspective on sports. And find out what if teams put more emphasis acquiring players that match the character of the city. Hi, everyone. Pleasure to be with you again. Today's episode will be about what if teams acquired players that match the characteristic of a city. You know, oftentimes you hear how like New York, for example, is busy and, you know, people are just like pretty individualistic and go-getters, things like that. So we thought it'd be a good idea to talk about the cities that we're currently residing in and sort of describe the vibe. I like that rhyme. Yeah, so describe, you know, the characteristic of the cities that we live in and explain it to someone who hasn't been to the cities that we, we live in. So Cameron, talk about what, what, what's, which city are you in? I am currently in the Kansas City area over across the state from where we grew up in St. Louis. And there's definitely a lot of similarities, I think, with the two cities. Obviously, the rest of Missouri is a little bit more rural. But the two big cities, you know, they're, they're very nice people that live in the city. Really good food, really good barbecue. I don't know how that would apply to like a sports team, but the barbecue is really good. It's a very loyal city, you know, similar to St. Louis. The fan bases are incredibly enthusiastic about the teams that are here. The Royals, they stink most of the time. So it's kind of hard to, you know, get up for those. But, you know, when the Royals have been really good, they've been insanely supportive same thing with sporting kansas city and then obviously the chiefs even in the down years with the chiefs it's been an insane group out here that just love unconditionally their team and you know they pack the stadium they set noise records in that stadium you know and so obviously now they have all the players to match that so i wouldn't say that their team necessarily matches but the city is, the city is a little bit of like a working class city, if I had to guess. It definitely is growing, though. It, there's some really, really nice parts that kind of reminded me of North Dallas, where we lived before we moved here. But yeah, it's, it's definitely still like a working class Midwest, small market city with very, very loyal fans that, you know, would do anything for these teams. So it's a fun sports time to live in that's for sure I don't did I answer your question Eddie I'm not even sure <laughs> I, I don't even know but like that was just a really nice description of Kansas City I learned a lot I mean I never thought of it as a working class city I just thought that it's kind of like we're not working class but sort of an elite city in terms of economic development in the state of Missouri like that's like it's an economic hub yeah so well, that's really interesting oh, thanks for that Jeet, what you got, man? Yeah, so I currently live in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And it's kind of interesting for me because like all of us, we grew up in St. Louis, which is a decently big city. 
Then I lived in LA, which is a very big city. And then I lived in Boston, which is a very big city. And so now Ann Arbor feels very small to me. Like I'm used to having targets on every corner within walking distance, but now I have to like have a car and drive 20 minutes to get to the nearest target. So it's definitely got that smaller city vibe, but it's a big college town. You know, everyone here has some association to the University of Michigan. I went to the big house, caught a football game, and it was wild. Like, I'll never forget just the whole stadium singing Mr. Brightside by the Killers. That just gave me chills. And then the other big thing about Ann Arbor is that it's very nature-oriented, where everyone here, like, if there's a free weekend, people are going to go canoeing or uh, like rafting or hiking. Like, people just love nature here. So the other thing actually is that the winters get cold here. So even though people have that kind of like Midwestern nice, they still have a bit of grit to them because they can handle these winters with no problem. I came in from LA over to Boston out of here and I'm like, I'm thinking like these are the worst winters ever. And there's like, oh, it's pretty mild this year. So they got some grit to them up here. But yeah, it's very nature loving, spirited, gritty city, I would say. Nice. Nature loving, spirited, gritty city. Oh, that's perfect. I think you talk about Ann Arbor. I think uh, East Lansing, Lansing, really. Yeah, it epitomizes that as well. And I think Ann Arbor copied that from Lansing. So yeah, for those of you who are unaware, this is a Michigan State-Michigan rivalry talking. So, Michael, talk about your city. Yeah, moving to the American Southwest. I currently live in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Been here for just about two years. And I think a lot of the things I'll say about Albuquerque could probably be related to New Mexico in general. But I would say an underrated city. Overall, I think a lot of people's perceptions of Albuquerque maybe result from a very popular TV show called Breaking Bad. We're also Better Call Saul. Both very good programs. But yeah, to dive into Albuquerque, as a little, like G, you said grit. I think grit is a very good word to use here. Now, Albuquerque, it's got a lot of personality. It's very diverse, but it has a lot of charm too. That kind of relates to the people where people are very real. They're not afraid to call you out on your BS in a way. I love the weather here. It rains maybe 15 times out of the year, maybe 20. Like it really doesn't rain here, but it does snow. It gets a lot colder than people think. People think it's just like Phoenix or something like that. It actually does get a bit chillier. Food related, green chili, New Mexico. That's like what we're known for. So you've never had green chili from New Mexico. It is a big hit. In regards to sports, we don't have a professional sports team. But we do have, I think, a AAA baseball affiliate. We have a second tier, I don't know what it's called, but below MLS, New Mexico United. And they pack the stadium with lots of passion. That was really cool to see. I've been to a few New Mexico United games, and it is an awesome time. People are just going crazy. It's wild. I love the color scheme of, like, black and yellow. I'd say, overall, Albuquerque is a very cool, it's a very unique city that I don't think perhaps gets enough recognition. What's the big college there? Is it just New Mexico or Mexico State? So UNM is based out of Albuquerque. So it's pretty close to downtown. NMSU, the Aggies, they're down there in Las Cruces, but there's a big rivalry between them. But um, 
yeah, I'd say UNM, I guess is a big one. It's a state school. It's not massive by other state school standards, but I'd say, yeah, the Lobos are the most popular here. Which school did Kyle Kuzma go to? I don't know if he went to either. <laughs> I think he went to Utah, actually. Oh, shoot. I think you might be right. But he's I from Flint, Michigan, so some ties to us. <laughs> the reason I asked Michael is because my wife's from Arkansas. So obviously, there's like no big sport teams there professionally to follow. So essentially, Arkansas University is the sport team. So I, I didn't know if that was kind of the same thing there with New Mexico. I, I know they're not as big of a school as Arkansas is, but. Yeah, I'd say um, UNM, they're just not very good. <laughs> and MSU has had some pretty good years in basketball, but like, I know there's a lot of Broncos fans here, a lot of Cowboys fans, not really Arizona Cardinals fans for football, which I found interesting. So I think more they associate with the Colorado teams than other surrounding states with other sports. Nice. So I'll talk about St. Louis real quick, and I'm sure you guys can help me out. But essentially, St. Louis, I have to agree with a lot of what you said, Michael, in terms of passion. I think all of us have touched on the passionate element. But yeah, of the sports teams, the Rams, when they were here, the Cardinals and the Blues, the hockey team, you know, there's a great deal of passion and a great deal of support for the teams that we have. And not even just for teams, but even sporting events. So PGA, when they came in 2018, it was like one of the largest crowds that has been ever recorded in PGA history. So there's a huge passion element. And even for the upcoming Major League Soccer team, you know, you just see a lot of flags and stickers and things like that going on here. But yeah, St. Louis is a pretty diverse city. It's also, in terms of weather, pretty eclectic. You know, there are days where like it's officially spring, but you'll still have some snow and it'll be hot and cold like in a span of a week. So that's pretty interesting. But something that I've also learned about St. Louis, it's also based on the Reddit page, yeah, it seems like people just have all the answers for some of the most random questions. So I think I saw someone post about, you know, where can I get the best Jamaican cuisine in South City? You know, so it's like very specific to a particular region because St. Louis in itself, there's a city and a county. And then you can talk about greater St. Louis, which kind of spans across the river. But this is such a very specific location. And there was like 10, 15 comments. So people know a lot about the city and they're very passionate about the city. And it's something that I really enjoy and cherish. Eddie, I have a question for you. What's up? So I think the Cardinals reign supreme in St. Louis. I think that's fair to say. But when St. Louis Soccer Club really picks up steam, like give it a couple of years, maybe a little success. How do you foresee that compared to the Blues? Because the Blues also have a huge fan base. I'm curious, like give it a few years. How do the two compare? Yeah, I think the soccer team might be bigger than the Blues because there's already a considerable soccer fan base in St. Louis, even before we had the professional team. Like, remember when we went to that game in Bush Stadium, it was like Chelsea versus Man City, and it was sold out. 48,000 packed. The next time we saw Real Madrid and Inter, I believe, I, can't, I think it might have been. 
a lot of people were there. So in the U.S. qualifiers, when they came here, the stadiums are usually packed. So that was just before we had a professional team. Now that we are getting a professional team and the team does well, I think it may surpass the fan base that the Blues have. Nice. Great. Thank you all for listening. I hope you got a chance to learn about our respective cities and maybe it may motivate you to visit one of them if you haven't already. But yeah, I hope you enjoy this next episode. Bye. All right, so this is a little different. It's a what if, but like, I'm not looking at numbers today. My what if is, what if teams put more emphasis on acquiring players that match the character of the city that they are being transferred to or traded to? So my inspiration for this was based off of this Netflix show called The Playbook. And Jose Mourinho, he, that was actually one of my favorite coaches that was featured on the show. So basically the show, it has all these successful coaches. So Jose Mourinho is one of them. They have Doc Rivers, Jill Ellis, the former U.S. Women's National Team coach, Serena Williams coach, and Dawn Staley. She's the University of South Carolina women's basketball coach. So Jose Mourinho, he was one of the first people that I listened to, and he talked about his time with Porto. He was at FC Porto, which is in Portugal, from 2002 to 2004. So when he took over, Porto was terrible. Like they just kept losing games and they had just sacked their manager and the fans, they disliked the team so much. They didn't like the direction the team was going. So he took over and Jose Mourinho, he realized that there was like a disconnect between the fans and the club. So he wanted to get the fans back and sort of reconnect the fans with the club. He said this quote, he said that, you know, North Portugal, which is where Porto is located, is an area of hardworking people. So his solution was to buy players that have a competitive spirit, that are aggressive, and they sacrifice a lot. By buying players that sort of represent the area that Porto is in, you know, that's a way of bringing an identity back to the club and success. By the time he left Porto, he was a Champions League winner in 2004. Pretty much the rest is history. So if we take this philosophy of putting a concerted effort in looking into the qualities of a player and seeing how that matches like the identity of a city, I wanted to take a look into how that would compare with some of our favorite teams. So I focus on Michael Swansea. Cameron's Oklahoma City Thunder. And I also focused on Jeet's Real Madrid. As I go through these three, I'll discuss, you know, basically the characteristics of these respective cities and talk about what their low point was in the club's history, in recent history, not like I'm going way back, but in recent history. I'll highlight like a key player that sort of fits that team's identity and the city where the team is. So let's begin with Swansea. It's a beautiful city. It's right by the bay. I went on like Reddit, like I went on the Swansea Reddit 
quotes and sort of try to get like a feel of like what Swansea is like. So I pulled some quotes. So one quote is, we have got the most friendly people imaginable. Another quote says, you know, when you walk down the street, people are so friendly and funny. People say that there's like a chilled vibe with Swansea. People say it's cheap. And, uh, you know, I kind of went a little bit further into like the economy because I didn't feel like I was getting enough of what Swansea was. And I wanted to see if I could get like a representation of the people and how they really feel. Based off of the economic drivers, you know, 38% of jobs are in education, public administration, and health. And then I read that people deem their jobs as, you know, satisfactory, like it's okay. But people have also said that, you know, Swansea, the area in itself is improving. So in terms of like in recent history, their low point, I classified it as the end of the 2017-2018 season when they just got relegated from the Premier League. And they sold a whole bunch of players in the summer window. They sold seven defenders. I was surprised to see that. Based off of that, and based off of the characteristics of Swansea, I think particular player that they should go for is someone who is cheap, someone who is kind of like a decent player. They have potential. They're composed because, you know, Swansea has like a chill vibe. And they're coachable. So the player that I came up with, I don't know if you guys know him. His name is Fukayo Tomori. He's a center back. He is a product of the Youth Academy at Chelsea. He's cheap. At the end of the 2017-2018 season, his market value was $1.1 million. He had experience playing in the championship with Hull while on loan in the 2017-2018 season. He has potential because he's coming from the Chelsea FC Youth Academy. He's composed. I listened to an interview with his dad, and the dad describes him as level-headed and humble. And he's coachable because Frank Lampard has said that he's willing to learn. So that's Swansea. All right, so Oklahoma City. Look at Oklahoma City, man. Firstly, I love how cities look at night. So I'm loving this. Oklahoma City, it's also known as the Big Friendly. Did you know that, Cameron? Did not. Yeah, I didn't know that either. I read on this particular blog, they say that it has its share of jerks, but by and large, we are a kind, considerate, and personable bunch, always willing to strike up a conversation and treat people with respect. It also said that it has a southern close-knit feel. Another quote was, we rally to support those in hardship, and despite not exactly being wealthy in comparison to many areas of the country, we are among the leaders in charity. So that's the vibe of Oklahoma City. Like, they're very friendly, very considerate of how others are, but they also have their fair share of jerks. The way how I classified OKC Thunder's low point was when they lost Kevin Durant at the end of the 2015-2016 season. If you keep in mind the characteristics of Oklahoma City and the people that inhabit Oklahoma City, I think a particular player profile is someone who is stubborn, yet is also selfless and is a team player. I get that selfless and team player from how Oklahoma City is charitable and you know they're thinking of others. A particular player that I thought would fit this profile is Jimmy Butler. 
Now, this could be a recency effect, you know, just because I just saw the finals. Personally, I gained a lot of respect for Jimmy Butler. I only knew the stubborn side of him. So there was a particular interview that he did with NBA.com. And the interviewer asked about, like, you know, his persona. And he said that he recognizes that he is an a-hole and he knows that he can be one out there on the basketball court. So he recognizes that. But then he also talks about like how he's a team player. Now, I'm assuming that he has always been stubborn. But yeah, in terms of uh, the team player aspect, you know, he talked about how he's in everybody's corner and how with Kendrick Nunn, how he wasn't playing in the playoffs. He was playing a lot in the regular season and how he was not playing in the playoffs. And he just talked to him and said, you know, we need you to stay ready. Don't be discouraged on how you're not playing. You're going to pop up at the right time. So that kind of shows that how he's a team player. So the last city is Madrid. And the way how Madrid is characterized is easy to identify. They love to socialize. You'll find people on the streets at all hours of the night. And on the whole, Madrid's inhabitants are quite friendly and ready to welcome you to the fiesta with them. And another thing is, you know, the Spanish capital is always in flux. So basically, Madrid, it's lively, it's energetic, enthusiastic. You know, there's just this lively vibe to it. So if you talk about Real Madrid's low point, and I put low point in quotes because in recent history, Real Madrid has been very successful winning Champions League after Champions League. So I said like the end of the 2014-15 season, they finished second in La Liga and they lost in the Champions League semifinals to Juventus. So keeping in mind the characteristics of Madrid and how it's lively, I thought a player profile would be someone who plays with a lot of enthusiasm and can handle the big stage. The player that I selected was Paul Pogba. Based on an article I read, you know, they described him as charismatic and he has an aura that attracts people. And is he a big stage player? I said, yes. He played in that 2015 Champions League final. He was part of that Juve team that beat Real Madrid. So yeah, so those are the three players that I think would fit these particular teams. And then these are my questions. So do you think these are realistic examples and what would you change? What do you think of Mourinho's strategy to improve Porto? Are there any cons to it? Are there any pros? And the third question is how would you describe St. Louis, you know, the people and the vibe of the area? And which player or players do you think would be a good fit for St. Louis City Soccer Club, the Cardinals, or the Blues? So there you have it. I think for the Thunder one, I could see that as being a pretty realistic example. For a while, I haven't been a huge fan of Jimmy Butler because you talk about his stubbornness, like he basically forces his way out of three different teams. You can kind of see that as maybe a trend a little bit. But then like watching him this year, you know, you see he's in like the right team and he's got a really good coach in Eric Spolstra, like a really unselfish team. And you see how well they work together. And it makes you kind of wonder, like, 
is that what he was looking for and what he needed to be the best teammate that he could be? Because he's around a bunch of guys that are really a lot less than selfish, maybe less than like Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid or Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins or whoever was on that Bulls team. I don't remember. I think they're pretty bad if I remember right. So I, I can definitely see like in 2020, Jimmy Butler, he would be a great fit for the city of Oklahoma City, just based on how much of a leader he became and how much of a team player he is, like offensively, defensively, like watching him in the finals, just be exhausted the whole time and just giving it everything he's got. You know, that made me respect him a little bit more. So I think it'd be pretty realistic for OKC. One that I thought of, Cameron with OKC, play a little guessing game. He went to a school in Oklahoma, very like hard, gritty, defensive, just mind, just incredible attitude, incredible work ethic. Like a Marcus Smart type of guy? Exactly a Marcus Smart kind of guy. Yeah, I could see that. A little bit of gritty. I'm just curious, Eddie, how much time did it take to like settle on players for each one of these teams and cities? It took me a, a longer time to do the research on the cities and the characteristics and like, especially Swansea, that was hard. But uh, I think thinking about the players, it wasn't too hard. I, uh, like the Real Madrid one, I don't think that's that surprising. But it didn't take me that long to find players. Got you. Do you want him, G? Do you want Pogba? Not anymore as much. We've got some good midfielders coming up. Would he fit well, though, with, with the city, do you think? I think so. I think he's got the big personality that he talked about. Yeah, I think he'd fit in just fine. But you, Michael, have you heard of that guy that Eddie picked for Swansea? I've heard of Tamori, yeah. I know only of him of seeing lineups for Chelsea and everything, but what I hear, he's a good young player. I mean, shoot, if he comes down to the championship, I'd be more than happy. I'd be very happy if that happens. I don't think it will, but I like that, though. Like, young, that's who we're getting now, just young players because their manager he used to be, like, the England U17 coach, so he probably coached Tamori because he's English, right? Yeah. He was born in Canada, and he did play, like, briefly for, I don't know if it's, like, under 16, 17 Canada, but then mm-hmm. after that, he played all the rest, like, under... 18, 19, 20 with England. So in that case, like he probably has a relationship with our manager. So good choice there, Eddie. Thank you. The St. Louis question is interesting. I feel like St. Louis, it's like if you go to the city, it's a totally different kind of player than if you go to the county or like the suburbs. Such a diverse city that you could have, like, multiple areas represented by different personalities. That's true. When I think of St. Louis, like, sports teams, though, the word that comes to mind is loyalty. The players that come to St. Louis and stay in St. Louis and are, like, really good fits aren't necessarily the best players, but they're, like, the players that are, like, the most dependable, the most loyal to the club or city or team or whatever it is, like... For the Cardinals, and I think of like Yachty, Adam Wainwright, Chris Carpenter, David Eckstein. These guys, a lot of them are really, really good, but they're not like the greatest of all time. 
but they're really devoted to the city. They really care about the city and like, and give back to it. Um, I'm trying to think of like the blues, like Brett Hull, obviously, Al McGinnis. Petrangelo. Yeah, I mean, Petrangelo, I honestly think he probably stays if the blues actually matched his feeling for the city. Mm. Guys like that, like they really have a, like a love for the city. I think and you could probably say that about a lot of cities too, but those are the ones that kind of stuck out for me. And the reason I say that, like, I think about like loyalty and things like that, like a lot of like the best players that you see, or even the players that maybe are only around for a couple of years, they always come back and live here. My dad has been doing this driving business and he does just driver's ed with like Orlando Pace's kids and Chris Pronger's kids. And like, you know, all these guys that played here for a long time and like really loved by the city that you could really tell that the guys who received the most love from the city are the ones that loved the city back. What's the name of your dad's driving company again? Coach Harder Driving School. Yeah, Coach Harder Driving School. Shout out to Coach Harder Driving School. (laughs) Sponsoring this episode. Yeah. Do you guys agree with that or? 100%. I thought of like Matt Holiday too. Even though he didn't really start with the Cardinals, he got traded to the Cardinals and I just remember like his last at bat and like how much love he had for all the years in St. Louis. Like he was a star, you know, he wasn't about the glitz or the glamour. Like he was a hard nose, also an Oklahoma kid, I think. Right. I believe so. Yeah. I think loyalty is a good word. Loyalty and a respect for the history. I mean, I think of the Cardinals specifically with that, but. Definitely not flashy. Flashy is not one word I would use to describe like a St. Louis sports team. I think that's why the Blues team that won last year was so great because, you know, the Blues, they didn't have any like flashy guys. They just had a bunch of good players who were like really good team players and like would sacrifice their body every single night. And I think that's part of the reason why they had so much support from the city was because I felt like it matched the cities so much. Yeah. And I think about the fans too. So obviously we've had two football teams leave St. Louis, which doesn't really happen to a lot of other cities. But even in the very short-lived, I think it was XFL, we had a team for all of two weeks before we got, you know, COVID and everything. But I remember reading an article on ESPN and not the pain, but just the Rams leaving and everything with that. And that St. Louis had the most attendance of any other team. We had the most attendance by far. Yeah. And that was really cool to hear because it kind of speaks to the loyalty part, like you said, Cameron. Yeah. I can't wait for St. Louis to have an MLS team because I, I saw that they like had a record setting sellout and season tickets and stuff like that. Like they're just gone like instantly. Uh, it makes me really excited to see the city, which is largely a soccer city, to actually have a soccer team there. It's going to be interesting to see how different the dynamic is from other soccer cities. Like, I feel like with soccer, since it's such a heavily European sport, that most of the players are from Europe and they probably haven't even heard of St. Louis, that the teams that they go to are like the LA, Miami, New York. I feel like that suits St. Louis's vibe because we're not going to get any Ibrahimovic or Lionel Messi coming here probably. So we're going to have to nurture our homegrown talent and it's going to be very much like, I feel like our team is going to be a lot of people who grew up in St. Louis, you know, 
it's not going to have a huge European vibe. I think like LA has a huge South American contingent. Miami has a huge South American contingent. I don't think we're going to have that, which is interesting. When you lived in like all those different cities, did you notice a difference with the fans and like how the city reacted to their teams, like in Boston and LA and everything? I think LA was the most noticeable. Like whichever team was winning was the one where you see the most jerseys. When I was in college in LA, the Warriors were in their prime. So it was a lot of Warriors jerseys, not so many Lakers jerseys. There were more Clippers than Lakers, I'd probably say. But yeah, I think that was definitely more of a, because they have so many teams to choose from. They, they can lay claim to any California team. <laughs> but it's just like such a big place. Like there's so many options for people to choose from that it was like, you could be a lot less tied to one team over there. Which is where like, even here, even if the Cardinals aren't doing well, you're going to see a lot of Cardinals jerseys out there. I was looking at your second question, thinking of Mourinho's strategy. I think that is definitely like one of the best strategies to have. Because I think when there's a connection between the city and the players and the team, that's when the magic comes together. And they might not be the best team, but it's definitely like the most fun. If that makes sense. Like you can feel that there's a connection. For example, like two teams that like come to mind to me. One is like the Memphis Grizzlies a few years ago. Zach Randolph, Mike Conley are these like blue blood, hard nosed, you know, just grind it out. Like that city loved that team. That team might not have been the best team, but it was like the best team for that city. And those two working together made them a lot better of a team than maybe they should have been. The other one that comes to mind to me is like the Steel Curtain, like the Steelers in the 70s, because again, like you're talking about a bunch of like steel workers going to watch a football game, just grinding it out eight to five every single day. And then they go <laughs> watch the football team. Oh, it's like all these dudes just like cleaning house every day, just putting their noses in the dirt and getting it done. Like that's the two that kind of came to mind that like when a city and a team really matched. When you said eight to five, I thought you meant the steel workers were going to watch the game and they would see an eight to five score. It's <laughs> <laughs> not the same, really. I mean, the other team that came to mind, and I was also trying to think of stories where the team doesn't match the city. Oh, yeah. But one that does, I think, match the city, which is interesting, is this Atletico Madrid. That even though they're in the same city as Real Madrid, Atletico is more the blue collar like the working man, middle class, not like the elite royalty like Real Madrid. I feel like that team at Atletico Madrid really embodies, ever since Simeone took over, they really embodied that hardworking mm. spirit. Even though it's strange that it's the same city as Madrid, but it's like they can have two different personalities. That's interesting. What were the examples you thought of that didn't match? Well, the one that I thought of that tries to match, but it's not a good thing, is the LA Galaxy. Because they try to get all those old European superstars like Gerard, Ibrahimovic, Beckham. But then now that's really starting to hurt them. 
because they don't have a team. They just spend all their money on the salaries for those guys, and then it just ruins their entire team. And now they're like last in the league, and they've been really bad the past few years. Because that mentality totally fits LA. Like, just get those stars in as whatever it takes. But then that's starting to hurt them. So I feel like that might be a con to the strategy of having the team match the city. Every team needs to have a well-rounded nature, and that kind of hurt the galaxy. I think about like, <laughs> like players who don't match. Like anytime, usually it's some like small market team that's just terrible. And they draft like the number one overall pick. So like, I'm just trying to think of like a big superstar that goes to just like a tiny team, and they just like hate it there. Like any dude that's gone to Jacksonville. Like, they've all, like, hated it there, right? <laughs> so, like, I, I just think it, sometimes it's those guys that get drafted into those Midwest teams. Cameron, with what you are just saying, like, Green Bay, which, I mean, on the face of things, like, would anyone want to go to Wisconsin and play football in the middle of winter? That does not sound very appealing. But I guess whatever they're doing right, I mean, they have a lot of history, of course. I don't know if it would be like a destination. Like if I was a free agent, would Green Bay be like the top of my list? I don't think it would be. But I think relative to say like the Jacksonvilles and maybe like Cincinnati or something like that, I feel like it has a lot more going for it there. So I'm trying to think of why that is outside of just the history. I also thinking about soccer, like Athletic Bilbao, kind of thinking about all the players they get are from their same region which I don't think is very common at all with soccer. But even with like Swansea, like they have a lot of young Welsh players. And I think that's really cool because when they were in the Premier League, I think they kind of lost their identity, not just playing style, but they lost a lot of like British and Welsh players. And I think that could be for any club. Like if you start getting players who are coming in from the outside, which is great, but not really emphasizing like the youth academy and the players who are coming from your country, I feel like that really hurts. One thing that could be a downside to this philosophy of the team has to represent the city's personality is you could get into like some xenophobia type stuff. Ooh. Like you could, I think, very easily see it in America where, say, like a team in Nebraska. So I don't think there is a team, professional team in Nebraska, but if there was, and then they were getting a lot of foreign born players then they'd probably be saying like, you know, we're losing the Nebraska identity. We need to go back to just like mm -hmm. no more foreign players. And then it could open a bag of worms that's like, gets into some pretty not so pleasant, deep-seated hatred. I'm sure that's the case in a lot of Premier League teams too. Like since there's so, so much like international talent that coalesces into like the Premier League or La Liga that maybe the teams there don't view them in the most favorable light. Like wolves. Yeah, like wolves. Wolves is turning into Portugal. It's like 70% of their squad is Portuguese. Yeah, it makes you wonder, like, do the Wolves fans, like, are they okay with that? Or does it feel a little bit weird rooting for a bunch of dudes that are, like, not from the area or even the country? Yeah, like, it's like, how much of a balance should there be? Like, I feel like it's fair for them to want to have at least some players that are representative of the city. But then that can go to the extreme of where they don't want anyone that's not the Wolves stereotype. Right. 
I'm thinking on Mourinho's, the second question again. I don't see any cons with it, especially if they were so poor before he joined and like so bad. And then they win the Champions League within a few years. But I wonder if that would have been the case if he had that kind of strategy with Madrid, which I don't know if he did or not. But I think just Mourinho, like I've learned more about him over the last few months of like how great of a manager he really is looking at all of his success. But I think with Porto, like, I don't know anything about the region or anything, but the fact that he took that into mind, I think it could only help. Has he tried that a lot, like with the bigger teams that he's managed? When you get into like the bigger programs, like you're talking about Real Madrid or he's Man United's manager for a while. So like that might be a little bit harder to do with such a big, like diverse city like that. And like a city that's really based around winning. So you might have a lot more pressure to get just talent in there. But like when you're working with smaller teams like Porto, that's an advantage that you can create. So all the teams that we named that probably have this, where the identity really matches the city, a lot of the times it's like the small market cities that really use this to their advantage because they can't sign the big talent people. So they sign these guys that do little things well and they match the personality of the city a little bit better and it creates better chemistry and a little bit more excitement maybe for the city. Yeah. I also think with Mourinho, I think he's just a pragmatist, it seems like. He'll do whatever it takes to win. And like, if it means not playing beautifully, but playing smart, compact, park the bus or whatever it is, that helped him a lot, especially at Porto with like that spirit of like, we're hardworking, like we're going to get the job done. So I think in that case, it really helps with Porto. Just kind of having that personality match between the manager and the city and or at least the region. Yeah. One thing I learned from watching the Mourinho episode, he didn't really talk about tactics. And maybe for the right reason, because this is a show and he doesn't want people to know what he's thinking and whatnot, or other teams are going to figure out. But another side is like, his approach to management is also based off of this episode is about like sparking something within his players and that's like a sense that I got there was a incident where like he talked about when he was manager of Chelsea that in the documentary you know he said as a manager you don't need to teach people how to play football they already know how to play football but you just need to spark something within them to make them feel that they can achieve greater things And, you know, when he was with Chelsea, they were waiting for the Champions League draw. This was, like, back in, like, 2006 or something. And, sorry, this is not Chelsea. This was still at Porto. You know, they're waiting for the Champions League draw. And he was telling his team, we're going to get Manchester United. Because at that time, Manchester United was the best team in the world. And he was just saying that to like kind of get his players thinking about it. They were concerned about facing Manchester United before. But the fact that he said, we're going to get them before the draw happened, they were mentally prepared. If they were to get Manchester United, that, you know, they wouldn't be shocked. They just were prepared mentally. So in the Champions League draw, when they came out, their name was picked. And then the next name in that group was Manchester United. And he said the players cheered 
they started jumping up and down, like giving high fives and everything. That just kind of like gave me a picture of like what kind of a, like he's good with reframing things. But still there are a lot of things I don't like about him. But I respect that. Eddie, before we wrap up it, I gotta say this presentation here, it was fantastic. Thank you. I learned from the best, which is you, you, and you. Aw. She can't hear you, bro. I mean, it's a good joke, and now I can't do it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, no one will say it wasn't a good joke. We didn't yeah. hear it, so you're good. No. That's true. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the What If Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. Stay tuned as we continue to reimagine the world of sports. Describe the vibe. I like that rhyme. Bye.